Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. The shame is when if people who would be really great for leadership just don't know it. They shrink back from it and think, I'm not right, I don't look like that person, I don't emulate that person. And actually, if they gave themselves the chance to do it and they could really understand what it involves and what the characteristics are, they could really grow into it. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Frances Brown. Frances is the CEO of Nightingale, a design research partner that offers evidence-based recommendations for clients that want to put their products ahead of the competition. As a psychologist, Frances combined her knowledge of research methodology and human behaviour with a consistent curiosity about why things are the way they are. She digs deep to examine how things are done and to think about how they could be done better. Frances joins us today to share her insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Francis. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about the organisation that you lead, please? So I am CEO of Nightingale Design Research. We've been around since 2016. I started it with my husband, Michael, and we started off just the two of us. Mm-hmm. We're psychologists by training. So we actually met at university 400 years ago and we both kind of gone our on our different paths after we've finished our degree I've been a primary teacher I've edited a magazine I've done all sorts Michael stayed in the world of user-centered design which is what his PhD is in and then ended up um, being asked to kind of co-found a user research consultancy years ago pre-2016 which ended up getting sold so then we had the idea okay why don't we set up ourselves there's obviously a market there is something we're both experienced in because we did it as part of our degree and obviously Michael had done it for years mm-hmm. so we set up uh, then in 2016 that's that's the long version of the story anyway we started out with a different name Folum and we rebranded then last year um, mid-pandemic which was great and um, that all went quite smoothly actually we got a new brand Nightingale Design Research um, we, we're we now a team of four so uh, Joe who's our project manager joined us in 2018 should kill me for getting it wrong I think it's 2019 actually <laughs> and Nancy joined us at the start of 2020 so we've expanded a little bit and we basically what we do which is we always have to explain is we do the research bit to figure out what technology should do for people in order to be useful. So there's the tech side of tech, which is uh-huh. how does it function? What's the data? What does it, you know, what does it actually need to do functionally? Yeah. We do the human side of it, which is, will this make sense to people? Yeah. How does it need to work? How does it need to be structured? What does it need to look like? How does it take into account people's accessibility needs? And so on. So we do a lot of this interviewing. So I'm not used to... Uh, being the one who's being interviewed, it's 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 an unusual experience being on the other side of the uh, bench, so to speak. <laughs> well, hopefully an enjoyable one. Hopefully, yes. And and so, and so as a leader of that kind of organisation, working in that kind of space, what kind of challenges are you up against at the minute as chief exec? There's various different challenges in the actual industry we work in. There isn't a great deal of understanding about the value of design research until things go wrong. So then we're often called in when things have already gone a bit awry, which is not the best position to be in because we're fixing things and we're putting things back together. It can be interesting. I suppose it's your opportunity to slightly be the hero, 
But it's always better to be called in early where we can have more of an influence. Yeah. Government departments are much more on board with the value of design research and they do it much better, which is mm-hmm. unusual, than the commercial world. Yeah. Um, so it can be frustrating in the commercial world to kind of get your message across, get people to understand the value of it and mm-hmm. educate the general community about the value of it there tends to be research done that's not very good and then the attitude is research is not good just not that research is you know should be done well and that was the reason it didn't work out um but obviously then there's the usual things about building a business um from scratch learning how to run a business which is always a very steep learning curve Uh all of the details the ins and outs the tax the money the the vat all of that managing people growing a team managing cash flow all of that which is what everyone really comes up against the Uh the, i suppose the pandemic which is the thing everyone will be addressing at the moment hasn't affected us massively from the point of view that we already worked remotely quite a lot before the pandemic i think where it has affected us is is the lack of face-to-face contact with people which is i think affected everyone really Mm -hmm. so there's been a lot more face-to-face networking recently which i've enjoyed i do like getting out and about with people and seeing them face to face rather than always being on zoom yeah, it's nice to get back out, isn't it? It is. And, and so you mentioned your diverse career path. So you, you've done a few things before you, you set up Nightingale. Was it always the plan for you to be a chief exec or did that happen by default? Or I don't know is the answer. I think what I learned over the years in different jobs, because I worked in academic research, I was a teacher, I edited a magazine, like I mentioned. So there's lots of different kind of worlds, is that... I suppose I always had always had the desire to lead in the sense maybe I was a bit of a know-it-all <laughs> and a bit of a I know how to do it better. And I suppose someone might turn around to you in that position and say, well, if you think you know how to do it better, go and do it yourself. And that's the only way to have that kind of knocked out of you, isn't it? When you go, oh, actually, this is really hard when you have to do it yourself. It is. I, I do understand now why it's so difficult. I suppose there is maybe a certain personality that being a leader, for whatever that means, suits. Uh-huh. You have to have a certain attitude, a certain willingness to take things on, take responsibility for things, take things on the chin, yeah. um, learn. There's a lot of learning and you don't always get it right, accept criticism. I think that's a big thing. I may be working in my favour. Um, I, I do accept criticism. I'm not always magnanimous about it. I might take it personally. I might be upset by it, but I will try to learn from it. Yes, yeah. And I think that's an important part of it. So maybe maybe it was always going to happen at some point. I do think it suits me, even if I don't always like it, yes. put it that way. Okay, fair enough. And that, that leads me nicely to my next question. So do you think there are characteristics that are key to being a good leader? I think lots of people can be leaders of different types. I don't think everyone is the same. I do think you have to be, I hate the word resilient, but you do have to be resilient. I think the word resilient has been used a bit now to kind of tell people you need to put up with a lot of stress and a lot of difficulty. And I I think it's used a bit as a weapon against people, to be honest. But you do have to be resilient in that. You have to look at a knockback, you look at a rejection and say, oh, well, you know, let's try and learn from it and let's move on. 
I've often said you possibly have to have a slightly gambler's mentality. And I mean that in the best way possible. I'm not a gambler. I don't bet on things, but you have to have that mentality of I rolled the dice. It didn't work. Let's go on to the next one. Not I rolled the dice. Oh, gosh, am I good enough? Am I doing the right thing? Constantly questioning yourself because that's really stressful. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to brush yourself off to a certain extent and get on with it again. You also have to have a whole huge range of skills, don't you, in terms of managing people, managing projects, managing clients, looking ahead, looking behind, Uh understanding data. There's, There's a lot of stuff there. I think one of the key things is being able to ask for help. I think that's probably one of the areas I'm the weakest in is saying, actually, you know what, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And could you just do it or help me with it? Or could I hand this over to you and just completely delegate it to you? Yeah. I think that's probably a common one. Control freakery. <laughs> I am trying to work myself out of it. Yeah. I'm aware of it. And so I think that's a learning learning process, probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so is there an experience that sort of happened either earlier on in your career or at the start of forming your own business that shaped that leadership style can you remember if there was either a piece of advice or an experience that you said I'm I'm going to do it that way I've seen lots of leaders down through the years in the different roles I worked in and both good and bad and for the most part they've been middling I would say you know weaknesses and strengths I've seen some really bad ones and I think you see bad ones and you kind of think I'll never do it like that. Yeah. Hopefully. You, almost, you almost learn more from those people where you go, no, that's not for me. That's yeah, not for I can me. see where they've gone wrong and I can I hope I hope I'll never do that. Yeah. Yeah. I had one really excellent leader in a school I worked in actually, a head teacher mm-hmm. who he, it's you know like I say there's lots of middling people who do a pretty good job and who have their pluses and minuses. And I did at the time ask myself what was it about him that made him especially good? You know, it's, it's sometimes really hard. You can see the really bad ones. You yeah. can. It's quite easy to pick out what they've done really badly. It's not always easy to pick out why someone's really good. Mm-hmm. And I think what was really good about him was that he had a very clear idea of what his role was and what everyone else role was, roles was. And he communicated that really clearly. So it was actually a school that was in special measures, which is really tough. Mm-hmm. And lots of schools that are in special measures really struggle to come out of it because it's such a stressful environment. Offset is on your case constantly. There's constant improvement this and, and change that and no one really can get their feet under them and get going again. Mm-hmm. He was really brilliant at saying, look, I'll deal with all the stress of the fact that we're on special measures. I'll deal with all of the difficulties to do with that. Your job is to teach the kids and I will help you to do that. And then mm-hmm. I'll manage all of the, how all that connects up. And so it made it possible as a teacher not to worry so much about that. And you would never know really that it was a school in special measures, which is quite an achievement. Mm -hmm. And I think it was about how much he took on himself as a leader, which, you know, you possibly only look back on and think, gosh, he really must have been stressed. But he kept a smile on his face. He kept, he was very approachable. He was very fair. He was very transparent. And I think it takes a lot of strength to be like that. So I suppose I did learn from that. And then I learned from other situations in which people were maybe petty and personal about things, which is easy. It's easy for that to happen, but you kind of learn actually that leads nowhere good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to try and rise above no matter how hard it is you can't let things get petty and personal because it's like being a parent isn't it It, Mm -hmm. if you 
fall to that level. If you start getting into that, there's no coming back from it. You have to, you have to try and maintain a certain level of cool. Even if you don't always, always maintain a perfect level of cool, you have to, you have to assume that higher kind of position, hard as it is. Yes. And it is hard at times. Absolutely. And then go in the cupboard and scream into a pillow. Yes. And eat three chocolate bars. Yeah. <laughs> no comment on that one. <laughs> and so is there a piece of advice that beyond that, that you would give to someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps? So either someone right at the start of their career or about to take a step up into the leadership role. Is there a piece of advice that you'd share with them? I think the tough thing about it all and the thing that I might give advice on is trying to figure out if it's really for you, because I think there is a situation in which it just doesn't suit people. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people try to shoehorn themselves into it and, and it's so stressful for them and they they really struggle and it's just not right for them. And it, I think it's perfectly fine to say, actually, this isn't really where I want to be. This isn't right for me. Uh Equally, I've seen other people shrink back from the idea of leadership and think, oh, I'm not good enough and oh, I'm not right for this. And I think in a sense, it would be good to have a way of identifying who would be good for and who wouldn't, because I don't think it's always obvious. Mm -hmm. Like some people really suit being a doctor, for example, it's a great job for them and they, they have all the right characteristics and they love it no matter how stressful and how long the hours and they thrive and other people hate it. Uh-huh. And I think leadership is exactly the same where some people just love all the bits and bobs that come with it and they don't always love it as a job or as a thing, but they're suited to it. It's the, it, it gives them all the right challenges. They love the learning process. And then that's not true for other people. And I do think the shame is when it, it people who would be really great for leadership just don't know it or... Yes they shrink it, shrink back from it and think I'm not right. I don't look like that person. I'm, I don't, I don't emulate that person. And actually if they gave themselves the chance to do it and they could really understand what it involves and what the characteristics are, they could really grow into it. I think if you have any inkling that you might be right for it, give it a try, but always then be willing to learn mm-hmm. and have and be ready for criticism because that's the only way you can learn. Uh-huh. If you can't take criticism, yeah. maybe try and learn to take criticism, try and build that up over time if you yeah. can. Yeah. But if you can't take criticism and you feel you could never take criticism, then maybe it isn't right for you because you are going to get criticism. You're going to get random criticism from people. You're going to get your friends and family being a bit negative about things. You're going to get your staff being critical in some way. And so if all of that dents your evidence and you find it really difficult, then maybe you're not ready. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in the future, but you know, don't always assume that you're not ready for it. Maybe you are. And some people really shine once they get a leadership role. They struggle in other things and they feel they're not good at anything. And then suddenly they're given responsibility and leadership and that's it. They're off. They they know exactly what to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the key things that we, as a, as a society, sounds a bit grand, but I think we need to move away from thinking that the leader has to be the loudest person in the room because it's not always that individual is it it's and I think introverts and people that maybe don't those people that question their confidence and sort of say it's not for me I could never do that I think if we change that that way of thinking maybe we would have more leaders coming forward that weren't the obvious choice but could still do a really fantastic job 
Yeah, I think I, I definitely I agree. The nature of leadership is misrepresented. I don't always quite understand what it takes to be a leader. And the leader that I mentioned, he was quiet, you know, that that head teacher who did a really great job. Yeah. He wasn't very brash and loud. He was very observant. He kind of stepped in when it needed to be. And then he stepped back when, when you didn't need him to intervene, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's that kind of a willingness to put that level of detailed thought to things as well. And, and it can be draining and difficult and challenging. And if you don't get satisfaction from it, it can feel like the life's being sucked out of you. But if you do get satisfaction from it, you get massive satisfaction from it. So I suppose that's the payoff then to actually doing it is that the thing you've built or the effort you put in does eventually pay off. And especially if someone turns around to you and says, or you see a person growing under your leadership, it's it's very satisfying. Then you think I've done a good job. I've done something good. Even if it's just one person, yeah. you kind of think that was worth it because all that effort I put in actually paid off. Yeah. It, it might take a long time. That's the only thing. <laughs> Sometimes. And so you mentioned that head teacher in your, in your past, but are there other leaders that you would either identify with that you particularly admire past or present famous or otherwise is there anyone that stands out I mean I suppose a very obvious one is Barack Obama isn't it he's he's not perfect but I like the fact that he's very open and transparent he gave a talk there a few years back about the fact that when he was community organizer he was in among all the people in his community and he got frustrated and thought we're limited in what we can do here but when I become a state senator I'll be able to do more and then he became a state senator oh, oh I'm still limited when I go to you know go to federal government I'll be able to do more yeah. and then eventually of course he became president and he he just realised actually there's limitations and there's difficulties no matter what level you are and there's no magical point at which you unlock a whole lot of power and everything comes easy even when you're a president of the United States Mm -hmm. and so you just have to work with what you've got at every point and at every point you'll have obstructions you'll have people who are in your way you know people who think they know better people who are for want of a better term idiots Mm -hmm. and even at the highest levels of any sort of power any sort of government so you have to not wait for the magical day when everything suddenly becomes easy yeah and I liked the honesty of that, the fact that he's not saying, oh, we're all so super powerful here making our great decisions and great halls of power. We're all just humans trying Mm -hmm. to make it work and getting it wrong and dealing with all of the problems that everyone else is dealing with. And, you know, and I've read I've read stuff that he's written. I've read stuff that Michelle Obama has written. And I like their kind of approach as well, obviously coming from a community that's so underrepresented in American Mm -hmm. society to get to that level of power and to realize the burden and the the difficulty of being in that position. Even when you have all the good intentions in the world, you can't always make everything you want happen. You can't Mm -hmm. always be perfect. Yeah. And so it's it's good to learn from that and to realize what a struggle it is, no matter who you are, basically, and to, to keep keep on keeping on, I suppose. Absolutely. We're all just doing the best we can with whatever we've got, aren't we? Especially exactly. over the last 18 months. Brilliant. Yes. And and so what I'm really also really interested in is what are you reading at the moment? Or is there a book that's had a particular influence on you? It's a book I mention a lot. Anyone who knows me probably 
probably sick of hearing it, but it's a book. It's a book about Lego. So people like reading it. Okay. And the reason I mention it is because it's about business. It's about user research. It's about design. It's about all of the things that I'm interested in. It brings it together in a really nice narrative. So uh-huh. I feel like if it's a, a nice, easy to read book, it, it's called Brick by Brick. I had to look up the name because I've forgotten it. How Lego rewrote the rules of innovation and conquered the global toy industry. Brilliant. The reason it's interesting is because of the fact that Lego is a, such a well-known brand. It's been around since the 1930s. It's mm-hmm. gone through various different kind of stages of its growth. And then it was unbeknownst to many people on the edge of bankruptcy start of 2000s. And then it brought it all back from the edge. And obviously now, you know, if you say Lego, everyone knows what Lego is. It's a massive toy brand. Mm -hmm. One of the strongest toy brands are brands in general Mm -hmm. in the world. And they did that by really figuring out what were they doing wrong? What, how were they not engaging with their customers? And in this case, children as well, which is, you know, obviously haven't been a primary teacher, which is what I was, you know, I love working with children, understanding children. I have done research for Lego incidentally years ago. So I've had to do that research with children as well. And and the the honesty of children Mm -hmm. and the the lack of filter that you get with children, which is great from Mm -hmm. a researcher's point of view and also a bit scary. And so it's a great kind of narrative of that Again, it's the, it's the development of a business that looks like it it's untouchable and mm-hmm. it's always been there and it's it's so kind of solid and you you see how they've gone through different fortunes over the years, how they managed to get from a tiny little Danish company into a massive global brand and how they squandered a lot of their growth and their um, grip on the market and how <clears throat> things came to a real point of of crisis for them Mm -hmm. and how things could have gone the other way and how they pulled it all back so it's it's a really interesting book and and like saying quite an easy read Bill Breen is the author of it um I think he wrote it with something else uh, David David Robertson as well so it's 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 a good book I think to read for anyone who's kind of interested in that world Fantastic. I was reading a little bit about like it wasn't the book, but I was reading about their corporate anthropology mm. and they send people out to, to sit with families and see how the kids interact with the like. I think it's a fantastic idea for all organisations to see how your customers interact with your product is invaluable, isn't it? Yes. And they actually realised in the early 2000s how little they really knew about children, mm. which is amazing for such a long established company. You would kind of assume, of course, they know things about children. They've developed products for children for eons but even a really engaged and present company like that can fall down on that front as well and and almost like a lot of other big names get to a point where they're get complacent I think as Mm -hmm. well where they think they can't fail lose touch with what it is they're trying to do and then start to just lose a grip and obviously the bigger the company is the quicker you can lose grip because there's so many different things going on so many competitors so it's interesting to look at that and often how simple the answer is which is stop take stock stop panicking Mm -hmm. look at what you're doing wrong and then try to fix it and be honest about where things have gone wrong as well not Mm -hmm. try to cover it up which is what a lot of companies try to do as well to their detriment yeah absolutely you can always get a little bit closer and always learn a little bit more can't you about your customers that can't it's never going to be a bad thing, I don't think. And and so, what's going on over the next six, nine, twelve months for for Nightingale? What's on your What's on the cards for twenty twenty two? 
We are look. We're trying to expand further. Mm-hmm. So we're like say we're a team before very small still still in the very early stages. We're we're going into our we're in our sixth year now. So we're not new new, but we're still young. Yeah. Um. So we're trying to figure how to do that, how to grow, who do we need to take on, uh, what skills do we need what direction do we want to go in and they're tough questions to ask and answer you know in terms of what does everything look like how do we want things to look like and funnily enough when I work with my clients that's a question I often ask them you know where do you want to end up what's the Mm -hmm. end goal for this product or for this service or for your company and it's always a tough question for people to answer they don't really know a lot Mm -hmm. of the time and I've had to sit down with myself and say, do you want to manage a large team? Do you want to have lots of staff? Do you want to have a smaller, tighter group of people that mm-hmm. is a bit more agile, less less kind of unwieldy? What, which way do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And obviously then you're subject to the whims of the world, yeah. as we've all seen over the last couple of years. So you might plan everything down to the last second and then something happens and you just have to go with it. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's always a learning experience. It's always interesting, but I, we're looking at developing our marketing. We're looking at growing our team. We're trying to turn a lot of our own techniques on ourselves, which is hard, very yeah. hard. It's great. It's easy to be objective about other companies. It's not so easy to be objective about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Getting people in to help us, which is always the thing, like I say, I'm not so good at. So I'm trying to be better at that and working with the team we have as well and growing everybody, developing everybody, trying to figure out where everybody fits, where they want to go next. Because obviously being very early on in a company, the potential is that you then end up in a more management or senior role, but mm-hmm whether you want that or not is another thing. So it has to fit every person as well as to where they end up. So yeah. it's a process as with everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's fine. I find that it's finding the time to take the step back to reflect and then yes. that's, that's the, the big challenge for, for me as a small business owner. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So you're, cause you're t- so taken up in the day to day and trying to bring the money in and manage the clients. Yeah. Yes. That, that, even just an hour to sit down and think, what what do I want? Uh-huh. What would I like to happen? Is really hard, and sometimes it's a hard question to ask as well because you just you you don't really know, or you have to be quite honest with yourself mm-hmm. and say mm, maybe this doesn't suit me. Maybe I want to go in another direction, or actually I want I want more of this. I want mm-hmm. to grow this. I want to extend this, or whatever it is. It's trying to figure those things out. It's hard, and I think one of the hardest things is it really is all about you and mm-hmm. and maybe it's a woman thing or or maybe it's just a personality thing or it's a mixture but i think people if you ask people what do you want really you like mm-hmm. just you don't think about what other thing people think or what society wants or what you think you should do or you feel guilty about what mm-hmm. do you want it's an incredibly hard question to answer and people really struggle with it and i think as a business owner you have to constantly ask yourself that question constantly reevaluate constantly keep up to date with yourself yeah and it it becomes easier over time but it's it's very exposing on a constant basis it's yeah. very there's nowhere to hide 
you can't hide from yourself when you're your own boss, can you? You can, no. you can hide from a boss by kind of, you know, in your little cubbyhole and yes, I'm working, but I know when I'm not working. I know yes. when I'm not doing what I need to do. I know when I'm hiding from things. Yeah. And so there's no hiding there. There's no, there's no escape basically. So it, that's both a good and a bad thing. But I think you have to kind of give into it at a certain point. Yeah. And, and go with it. Absolutely. It's really important as well. You can get carried away, but it's important that you don't get caught climbing the wrong mountains. Yes. Because I think if you don't do that constant reflection, you can be off in one direction and think that's the right way to go. But actually you get to the summit and you think, what am I doing up here? <laughs> we weren't ever planning on going this way. That's a big danger, I think. And mm. it's it's easily done if you're very focused on just keeping the business alive, which obviously mm. seems like the thing you should be doing all the time. You know, cash flow, where is our money coming from? We need to make sure we're, we're getting money in. The difficulty is if you're totally focused on that, then you, that will lead you down the wrong path almost yeah. inevitably because uh-huh. then other people are deciding for you what you're ending up doing. You They're yeah. saying, well, you do this and you do that and you're getting pushed around by people. Then you think, well, what's the point in running your own business? You're not making your own decisions. Someone else is pushing you around. Yeah, yeah. In that case, you might as well just be working for somebody else and not have the stress of running your own business. And that's what I always, and when I'm kind of talking to other people, because other people do ask me about running business, I always say, well, the main thing is it has to be about what you really want, Mm -hmm. which can evolve over time and it can change because you learn and you grow and you change. But if at any point you find yourself going down a path where you're like, no, this isn't really where I want to be. I'm doing a job that I don't want to do. This isn't the kind of project I want to work on, the people I want to work with. Then red red bells, you know, red, red lights should be going off because then you're going to be heart and soul going into something where it's fully your responsibility into a thing that you just don't like or have any interest in or that is even just not, you know, repulsive to you in some way. And there is no worse position to be in, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because it's at least at a job, you can just walk away if it ends up in that situation. You're in it, you could just say, right, I'm gonna quit. If it's your own business, you're you're kind of stuck. It's a bit, it's a bit like, oh gosh, how do I get out of this now? I'm I'm really stuck. And it is a struggle. I think people really find that hard to get their heads around. It really it has to be what you want. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, well, what do I want? Yes. And it seems very indulgent or privileged, and I suppose it is, but it, it, there's no getting away from it that it has to be what you want because you're the driving force. And so mm-hmm. if you end up doing a thing that you don't enjoy, that you're not interested in or that you actively hate, it's going to fall apart because yeah. you're not going to drive it. You're not going to be interested in it. Stuff's mm-hmm. going to get missed and lost and neglected and you're going to be miserable. So yeah. it's it's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah, don't do it that way. Definitely don't do it that way. Exactly. It's, it's been brilliant speaking with you. Thank you for taking the time. I've really enjoyed learning from you and, and learning about your leadership journey. So thank you for your time, Francis. Thank you. Thanks for having me.